This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Welcome back to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, 2017, first episode of the new year, episode 73. I am your hostess with the mostest, Casey O'Rourke. I am beyond, beyond thrilled to have you with me today. Oh my gosh, it's only the third day of the new year. Isn't that crazy? I love the new year. I love the anticipation. I love the release of the old year. I love all of the possibility that exists because all we have is time ahead of us. All we have is possibility, what we can do, what we can create. How many lives can we impact? If you've been following me these last few weeks, you've been on my Facebook lives on the Joyful Courage page or Um, If you're on my email list, you know that I've made some huge declarations for 2017. I think I've even mentioned it on um, podcasts last month. But I declare the work of joyful courage, the work of my tribe, the, the work that I pour myself into is going to impact 1 million children by the end of this year. And we have, as of today, 362 days to go. And I, I'm very aware that I cannot do this alone. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about noticing when you get that hit of, oh my gosh, this is making a difference. Oh my gosh, I am so glad that I'm reading this or listening to this. It's about you recognizing that that is a call to share what you're learning, share how you're growing through the work of Joyful Courage, share it with the people in your life. It's not okay for you to just keep it to yourself, okay? It's not. I need your help. This work is bigger than you and it's way bigger than me. It's about sharing with the world. We can sit in our little corners of the house or wherever And we can be in our own little world, in our own little bubble. We can often feel like nobody else feels like us, like nobody else thinks like us. 
Like nobody else could possibly be as challenged as we are by children that we birthed. (laughs) We can be there, but being there is really a selfish act. You're not that special. I'm not that special. The parenting journey, the human experience is a collective experience. So my goal for 2017 is anything that hits me as inspirational, anything that gets me into that place of like, oh yeah, this speaks to me, this lands, this makes a difference in my life. I am sharing that stuff. I am sharing it out to the world. I'm sharing it to the people that I talk to at the grocery store, to my friends that I see at a party. I'm sharing it on social media. And I really, really invite you this year, do the same. Be authentic. Be transparent. Be a part of this growing, amazing movement and uh, help me in impacting one million kids, right? When I start to think about all the people that listen to podcasts and all the people that are a part of the Live in Love with Joyful Courage group, all the people that are signing up for the membership program, which registration is open this week only and it closes on January 7th, so register. Um, When I think about all of those people and all the connections and then all the layers of connection that you all have to your families and your friends and their families and their friends, like a million kids doesn't seem as crazy as it did a few weeks ago when I was encouraged (laughs) to make that declaration. So yeah, 2017 is ours, people. It is ours. So it would make sense that my first show of this amazing possible year ahead is a guest that I had on my list, my dream list, right? My dream list. I have a dream list of guests that I'd love to have on the show. And and for those of you that send me referrals, like people that you would love to have on, just know that I'm paying attention to that. I am checking those people out. I am reaching out and uh, doing my best. So feel free to get a hold of those people and let them know they should check out this show too. I think it would go even farther in um, in getting my yeses. So today's show, today's show, today's guest is Dr. Ross Green. I am so excited to have him on the program today. He has done so much both for homes and classrooms for the adults that are living with, working with, loving children. He has helped so many of us shift our perspective around behavior and taken that helped us to really take that that personal piece out of it and see that our kids are lacking in skills and not just trying to turn us into psychopaths. Um, Ross is going to spend time at the beginning of the interview sharing his story and sharing you know, the history of his work. So I'm not going to get too into that. Just know that he is an incredible human being. He is the founding director of a nonprofit called Lives in the Balance. And I'm going to make sure that all the links, all the, the things that he mentions over the course of the show are in the show notes so that you can check it up. But I definitely wanted to make sure that you head over to Lives in the Balance because it provides a vast free web-based collection on the um, collaborative and proactive solution model, which is exactly what he's going to be talking about on the show today. So, yeah, 
this, this conversation is for all of us, teachers, parents, young kids, teenagers, husbands, wives. <laughs> it's a tool that is good for human relationships. So I'm really, really excited to have Dr. Green on the show. I am thrilled. If you have not, if you don't know who I'm talking about, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you landed on this podcast because... Um, it's going to be, it's amazing. He's amazing. His work is amazing. And for those of you that are on the positive parenting, peaceful parenting, gentle parenting journey, his work is really going to support you in uh, being the parent that you want to be. So how about it? Shall we meet Dr. Green? Hey there, Dr. Green. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. Please share with the listeners about your journey to doing what you do. Well, it's been quite a lengthy journey. I'm getting a little long in the tooth, so I've been at it for a while. Um, but um, I knew that I was either going to be working with kids or animals someday. This is, of course, going way back. Once it became clear that it was going to become kids, because I realized that with animals, I was going to have to deal with blood, which is not my thing. Um, it became working with kids, um, which meant either teaching or probably psychology. Mm -hmm. And I found mm -hmm. myself especially intrigued by kids who were having difficulties and then increasingly intrigued by kids who expressed the fact that they were having difficulties in ways that were more extreme, uh, hitting, spitting, biting, kicking, throwing, destroying. Um, and so um, initially I began specializing in kids with ADHD, but if you're working with kids with ADHD, you're also working with kids who do express the fact that they're having difficulty in ways that are more extreme, beyond hyperactivity, poor impulse control, and inattention. And so I began working with the more challenging variety. And what I began discovering is that the way we often treat them doesn't work for a lot of them, and in some of them actually makes things worse. And that caused me to start, number one, paying a lot closer attention to the research which tells us that behaviorally challenging kids are lacking skills, not motivation. Um, a lot more attention to the specific problems that were causing these kids to express the fact that they were having difficulty in ways that were more extreme. And it became clear to me that the goal should be trying to help them solve those problems rather than trying hard to give them the incentive to do well. And so I shifted from carrots and sticks and sticker charts and timeouts and privilege gain and privilege loss over to problem solving. And the problem solving, it became apparent, needed to have two ingredients associated with it. It needed to be collaborative, meaning we were including the kid in the process of coming up with a solution. And the solution had to work for both parties, not just the caregiver. And it had to be proactive because very little good problem solving takes place in the heat of the moment. 
And thus a model was born, collaborative and proactive solutions. Now I wrote about it first in The Explosive Child back when I was calling it collaborative problem solving, which I don't call it anymore. Now it's collaborative and proactive solutions. Um, then it became clear that educators needed a book of their own. So that gave rise to the book Lost at School and then Lost, at, Lost and Found. And then it became clear just based on feedback that people were giving me that um, it's not just behaviorally challenging kids who we should be solving problems with collaboratively and proactively. It's all kids. And that's what gave rise to the new book, Raising Human Beings. And then just one more little tidbit, because I know I'm going on a long ways here. You asked, <laughs> you asked me if myself, uh, I'm usually not a person who likes talking about himself, so this is unusual. But what also happened seven years ago is that it became clear to me that um, all of my speaking and all of my books um, and all of the consulting I do with schools and parents and juvenile detention facilities and inpatient psychiatry units and residential facilities wasn't getting society where it needed to be in terms of understanding and helping behaviorally challenging kids better quickly enough. And that's when I became clear that I needed to also create a nonprofit called Lives in the Balance to help people have a uh, website that has a ton of free resources about my model on it, but that also advocates on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their parents and teachers and other caregivers. And it's lives in the balance that I am devoting most of my energy to these days. And you now have the 30-year history of me <laughs> in approximately eight minutes. Thank you so much for that. I am so, so excited to have you on the show. I discovered your work about four years ago when I read Lost at School. I'm a positive discipline trainer. And out here in Seattle, we do work with schools around um, supporting them in using trauma-informed practices. And one of the resources that we offer as, um, as support for teachers is your book. So when I read that, it was so powerful to me and it spoke to me and what I know and believe to be true as well, especially about kids doing the best they can with the tools they have. And the words um, that you use in the book are kids do well if they can. So can you talk a little bit more about that concept? Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off 
your next month. That's code JOYFUL50 at factormeals.com slash JOYFUL50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ertube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Well, it's the belief that if this kid could do well, he would do well, and that if he's not doing well, something must be getting in his way. And that's very powerful because mm -hmm. the mentality for a very long time has been kids do well if they wanna. And if you believe kids do well if they wanna, and you have a kid who's not doing well, then the reason you think he's not doing well is because he doesn't wanna do well, and that's going to lead you to try to make the kid wanna do well. And now we are stuck back on carrots and sticks, which right, are aimed right. at giving kids the incentive to do well. But if you believe a kid is would do well if he could do well, kids do well if they can, and the kid isn't doing well, then your mission is to figure out what's getting in the kid's way. And what the research tells us is getting in the way of kids and other human beings doing well is lagging skills. And now we are pointed in a completely different direction. Mm -hmm. uh, what skills is this kid lacking? And what expectations is this kid having difficulty meeting that are precipitating challenging episodes? In the CPS model, I refer to those unmet expectations as unsolved problems. If this kid has problems that he or she is having difficulty solving, of course, if he could solve them, he would solve them. And if he could solve them, they'd be solved already he's gonna need our help in the problem solving department. And the nice part is what the research is also telling us is that when you are solving problems collaboratively and proactively, you are simultaneously teaching the kid the skills he or she is lacking just by solving problems collaboratively and proactively. That is very exciting research because it tells us we are finally addressing what has been getting in the way for these kids all along. Yeah. And I, I also appreciate the side benefit to the whole process, which is adults deepening, strengthening, developing relationship with the kids that they're problem solving with. 
I think that that there's so much power there and so much influence when we're in a really solid, respectful relationship with the other person. And I think that all the steps that you lay out in your work, um, which are really in alignment with, we just call it making agreements and positive discipline, but it's basically your, you know, this, it looks the same as the collaborative and proactive solution process. Um, but I just love, I love that it's also an opportunity to build relationship. It's a, it's an opportunity to build relationships. It's uh, it's better communication. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the amazing thing is there's no downside to solving problems collaboratively. The other option, by the way, is to solve the problem unilaterally through the imposition of adult will. That tends to be the preference for a lot of adults. There's a there's some major downsides to solving problems with kids in that way. There is no downside whatsoever to solving problems collaboratively with kids. Their behavior improves every bit as much when you're solving problems collaboratively as it does when you are using carrots and sticks. But what the research also tells us is that if you want to teach the kid the skills he or she is lacking, carrots and sticks don't do that. But solving problems collaboratively and proactively does. So it's all upside. at least that's what the research is telling us. Now, for a very long time before we had research on this, I was just going on what people were telling me anecdotally mm-hmm. of their improved relationship with their kid and about the dramatic reduction in explosive episodes and the improved communication and the improvement in the kid's willingness to talk about things. Um, those are all, you know, I'm not even sure if I should call them side benefits. I think they are primary benefits. Um, The rest of the world is very focused on the kid's behavior. Um, I would rank behavior right up there with relationship Mm -hmm. and communication. Um, The fact that the rest of the world is obsessed with behavior is is the, um, well, the rest of the world would have to explain that. (laughs) Well, and and speaking of the antidotes that you're hearing, I just want to appreciate as well how easy it is to read your books because of the way that you use narrative to illustrate your points, to to paint a picture of the tools in action. And it really helps the reader to think about application. And it shows how well you know the parent mind. <laughs> so where do these stories in your books come from? Well, most of them are composites. Um, you know, I've probably at this point worked with over 2,000 quote-unquote, behaviorally challenging kids and their families and their other caregivers, teachers, staff members in facilities. Um, And so I've had no shortage of stories to tell over the last 30 to 35 years. What I did start noticing over time is that adult reactions to challenging behavior really weren't all that different. You know, what's setting the kid off might be different. It might be difficulty taking a shower, difficulty getting ready for school in the morning, difficulty doing homework, difficulty brushing teeth, difficulty getting off the computer to come in for dinner. What the kid is, what what problem the kid is struggling with does vary across kids. But a lot of adults have a fairly similar mentality about behavior. Um, And the problem is that we try too hard and this, a big part of this is what's written in uh, Raising Human Beings, because this is true of all of us, not just caregivers of behaviorally challenging kids. What I, te- what I say in the book is that 
the best you can shoot for in the life of a kid is influence, mm -hmm. not control. And the more control we shoot for, the less influence we have. And what I talk about is that the role of a parent in a kid's life is partner and helper. Um, and those are terms that we often don't see applied to parents or teachers or staff members. You're this kid's partner in development. And if this kid is developing just fine, then he doesn't need his partner so much because he's doing it just fine. But if, as is inevitable for every kid, there are expectations the kid is having difficulty meeting, whether those expectations are academic or behavioral or social, um, whatever they are, if the kid is having difficulty solving the problems on his or her own, then he or she is going to need a partner, and he or she is going to need that partner to help solve those problems. Um, so the main role of a, an adult in the life of a kid is partner, helper. Um, and what should that problem solving look like? Well, it should be collaborative and proactive. When we adults shoot for control instead of influence, the problem solving tends to be unilateral. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't go anywhere nearly as well. Then kids stop talking to us. Then kids stop seeing us as a partner, stop seeing us as a helper, and they write us off because they really don't see the point in talking to us. Yeah, and you call that that model, that plan A, that unilateral model, right? And then you've got plan B, which is the collaborative and proactive solution. Can you talk a little bit, walk us through the steps when we, you know, when we have a child? And I love in the very beginning when you said that, well, just that proactive is a part of your model. I, I love it when parents come to me, because I'm a parent coach as well, and say, oh, this happens every day. And it's, you know, it's so difficult to deal with. And my response is always, yay, it happens every day. So you know it's going to keep happening. So what a great opportunity to dig in and make a plan of action with your child for how to handle whatever the situation is the next time it comes up, right? I think those kinds of behaviors that happen over and over again are actually, the e well, I won't say easier, but I mean, it's so, um, they're... I, that's something we can do something with those things, right? Because we know it's coming again. We know that it'll be small tweaks or maybe not small tweaks, but we can be in conversation with our child around, hey, let's talk about the afternoons. How are you feeling when you get off the school bus and walk in the house? What would be helpful to you? This is what I'm noticing. And this goes along really well with your with plan B and the collaborative, proactive solution making model that you talk about. So will you kind of walk us through that? Sure. One of the biggest hurdles parents have to get over in this model is that they are going to be far more effective solving problems collaboratively rather than unilaterally. Why is that but so enough, difficult? Why is that so difficult for parents to realize? Uh, what do you notice? Most of us haven't had a whole lot of practice at it, and a lot of us were raised by unilateral folks. Yeah, um, true. And unilateral has always been the way. Right. Um, but um, the other big shift that caregivers have to make is recognizing that the things that they are getting into conflict with about their kid every hour, every day, every week, mm -hmm. they're the same things. And the fact that they're happening every hour, every day, every week makes them predictable. 
And if they're predictable, then we can make a list of them. And if we make a list of them, we can prioritize which ones we want to work on first. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of um, making the list of unmet expectations, and not these don't have to be expectations the kid is having difficulty meeting 100% of the time, just expectations the kid is having difficulty reliably meeting. When we prioritize, we can we set the stage for the problem solving to be planned and proactive. Neither parents nor kids are at their best in the heat of the moment when a highly predictable conflict has erupted yet again. That's a bad time for solving problems, but more importantly than that, it's an unnecessary time for solving problems because the problems are predictable. So what I want people who are listening to this to recognize is that the three steps that I'm about to describe are not ideally done in the heat of the moment. My, my whole goal is to get people out of the heat of the moment. Heat of the moment is bad timing and unnecessary timing. Oh, yeah. My listeners know that. I say that a lot. Not in the heat of the moment, those same words. Thank you. Got it. So we want uh, these three steps to be done proactively. Step number one is the empathy step. This is where the caregiver is gathering information from the kid about the kid's concern, perspective, point of view on the unsolved problem we're talking with the kid about, preferably proactively. Mm -hmm. As I always mm -hmm. say, kids have information we badly need, information about what's hard, information about what's getting in the way, what their concern is, their perspective, their point of view. As I always say, if we do not get that information, we are at very high risk for plunging forward with uninformed solutions, solutions based on what we caregivers think is going on. The problem is that our theories and our assumptions about what's really going on are often wrong. And if you get what's the matter wrong, then the solution won't work. We got it. We need info. And believe it or not, many people have trouble believing this. The least fallible source of information about what's going on on an unsolved problem with a kid is the kid. Yeah, we need yeah. In, we need info, and we want to get that info from the horse's mouth. And the empathy step is where people can get it. Now, on the Lives in the Balance website, uh, that's the website of my nonprofit, mm -hmm. which is where all kinds of videos are housed. They can see real people as well as actors. Some of the videos are actors, but there's some great video of real people doing the empathy step. So they can see what it looks like. And they'll also find on the Lives in a Balance website the drilling cheat sheet. This tells them what questions they could be asking in the empathy step because while a lot of caregivers find it conceptually appealing to do the empathy step and to gather information from their problem-solving partner, the ship runs aground because they're not exactly sure what questions to ask. The drilling cheat sheet helps them know what questions to ask, and the videos show it happening. Great. That's the empathy. The second step is called the defined adult concern step. That's where the adult is entering his or her concern into consideration on the same unsolved problem. Adults have very important concerns as well. Unfortunately, adults frequently try to get those concerns addressed through use of plan A, unilateral problem solving. Now we're getting that exact same concern addressed through use of plan B, 
collaborative and proactive problem solving. Um, the hardest part about this step is the fact that adults frequently don't have the slightest idea what their concerns are. That's because <laughs> they've already moved on to their solutions, which they are frequently busy imposing. Uh, we need info from the adult, too. If you want to get your concerns addressed, you've got to lay them on the table and you got to know what they are. Right. The third step is the invitation. This is where a kid and adult, by the way, if this is kid-adult problem solving, I use the exact same process with two adults who have a problem to solve, with two kids who have a problem to solve. I wish we would do this more often with two politicians who have a problem to solve, two nations who have a problem to solve, but we have to recognize that the political system was designed to be adversarial, not necessarily collaborative. That, these days, is a big problem, but yeah. I digress. You know, and you know, I just want to say too to that to that note that I love I love that you pointed that out because I think I find myself saying, you know, we're talking about in my work, we're talking about parenting, but this is really about humaning, which is why I love the title of your book, Raising Human Beings, because um, yeah, it's great. You know, when parents say, "Oh, if my husband would just," you know, da 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 da, say I say, "Oh, you know what? That sounds like a great thing to create an agreement around." with your husband or creating a routine for you and your self-care. So thank you for pointing that out. So the invitation. The invitation is where kid and caregiver are collaborating on a solution. But the solution has to meet two crucial criteria. And by the way, these are the crucial criteria for any solution. Whenever I see a solution not working, it's because it didn't meet one or both of these two criteria. It's got to be realistic, meaning both parties have to be able to do what they're agreeing to do. Mm -hmm. I frequently see people signing off on solutions they know they can't do, on solutions they know the kid can't do. Um, that's unfortunate because those solutions have no chance of working. And the solution has to be mutually satisfactory, meaning... It truly and logically addresses the concerns of both parties, concerns that were identified in those first two steps of Plan B. Mm -hmm. Those solutions, realistic and mutually satisfactory ones, tend to be much more durable, much more effective. This is how we solve problems. Yeah, love it. So in the process, in the invitation process, in the solution finding, does that look like a brainstorm? Does that, what does that look like as far as finding those solutions? I used to talk about it in the context of brainstorming, but then I came to the recognition that if you get too many solutions on the table at once, mm -hmm. plan B kind of topples over because there's too many solutions. So these days, I'm recommending that people start with one solution. First of all, you're giving the kid the first crack at the yeah. solution, not because it's his job to solve the problem. It's y'all's job to solve the problem. Y'all are partners. This is a team. But because it's good strategy, it lets the kid know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're actually interested in his ideas. And it also gives the kid practice at something he's going to have to do for the rest of his life. If the kid doesn't have any ideas, we hope the adult does. Um, but these days I'm recommending that people get one solution on the table, evaluated in terms of whether it's realistic and mutually satisfactory. Mm -hmm. If it is, 
you got yourself a solution. If it's not, you're either refining the original solution or you are coming up with another solution that might go better. So I'm recommending one solution at a time these days instead of brainstorming. I find it goes a lot better that way. All right. All right. So I, this is, I have a question that I field all the time when we talk about making agreements and this collaborative model, which is, I'm sure you've heard it as well, what about when the child doesn't follow through with the solution created during the proactive solution finding? What are the consequences, right? That's what the parents typically want to know from me when we're in conversation about it. What would you say? Hey, everybody, listen, I'm so excited to give you an update on Songfinch. Songfinch delivers. I shared last month that I was going to have them create an original song for Ian, my graduating senior. Well, the song is done and the process of co-creating it with the artist on Songfinch was so cool. I got to provide details and ideas and then the musician of my choice wrote up the lyrics put it to the music that I picked, and the results are so cool. I can't wait to surprise Ian with it. I will be sure to record it and share it with all of you. Songfinch is an innovative service that lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people you love. It's completely unique, personal, and it lasts forever. After moving through their process, you get the final results in four to seven days. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free. So you and the lucky person you gift it to can listen to it anywhere, anytime. Whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, wedding, or anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, Start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Go to songfinch.com slash joyful and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, which is a $50 value. Again, my URL is songfinch.com slash joyful. Don't forget to share your song with us too. songfinch.com slash joyful. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I would say, why are we suddenly talking about consequences for the kid when both agreed to the solution? Right. And? Um, why, I, I, sometimes I say, why don't we consequence you? <laughs> um, saying that we're going to consequence the kid is moving rapidly away from the partnership and moving right. rapidly right. away from collaboration. 
just because the first solution didn't work. In the real world, the first solution frequently doesn't work. In the real world, good solutions, durable solutions, come after the ones that didn't work so well. Uh, if a solution isn't working, you're going back to plan B. You're not going back to the old way of doing things that wasn't working in the first place. That's what I say. Right. So you go back to the child and say, wow, it doesn't seem like that's a solution that's helpful. So let's do this. Let's try this again. And when a solution doesn't work, um, it's no mystery as to why. We just have to figure it out. Possibility number one, it wasn't as realistic as we thought it was. We thought it was, but it wasn't. Back to plan B. That's not a failure. That's just a solution that wasn't as realistic as we thought it was. It wasn't as mutually satisfactory as we thought it was. That's not a plan B failure. We thought it was, but it wasn't. Back to plan B to come up with one that is more mutually satisfactory. Um, and the third possibility is that if we've only done plan B once on this unsolved problem, then whatever solution we came up with would only address the concerns that we heard about. Mm. But the solution could not conceivably have addressed the concerns that we did not hear about. Back to plan B to see if there are concerns we didn't hear about. Those are three things. It wasn't realistic. It wasn't mutually satisfactory. There are concerns we didn't hear about that going back to consequences won't help us fix. Right, right. I love that's a great answer. I'm going to use that one for sure with my people. And then you also talk a little bit in your book about Plan C. What's Plan C all about? Plan C is where we are setting aside some unsolved problems, at least for now. Not because we are giving in and not because we are giving up, but because we are prioritizing. This is especially crucial with kids who've been behaviorally challenging for a very long time and who therefore have very long lists of unmet expectations, unsolved problems. Um, while it is tempting to think that we can solve all of those problems at once, the reality is this kid didn't get this long list of unsolved problems overnight, and we're not going to solve them overnight either. We're going to have to solve them, oh, two or three at any given point in time. The rest, we're going to prioritize away. We're saying we're not working on those right now. Um, so one of the other hallmark features of this model is that it requires that us caregivers prioritize. What are we working on now? What are we not working on now? Now, one of the beautiful things about Plan C is that it helps us get our priorities straight. But number two, any unsolved problem that we have set aside for now isn't going to be causing challenging behavior because that expectation has been set aside, at least for now. When will we come back to that expectation? After we've gotten some of our other higher priority expectations solved. So this is a very incremental process. I find that one of the um, biggest reasons the unsolved problems of behaviorally challenging kids remain unsolved is because we caregivers were in too big of a hurry to solve them all at once. Yeah. Plan B forces yeah. us to prioritize. My motto is the quicker we try to go, the longer this takes. Yeah, for sure. Go slow to go fast, right? There you go. So. I think that um, I know that something that shows up for myself and for other parents that I work with 
is we um, we kind of trick ourselves into thinking that, okay, I've had this great conversation with my child and we've gotten some things out on the table and we've created a solution and yet, there, you know, and then there's this expectation of like of perfection, right? Now we don't have to deal with, now there will be no more whining or now there will be no more sibling conflict because we came up with a plan and and I recognize that there's that crucial criteria for solutions as well. But what would you say about also the fact that new tools and new skills require consistent practice and that practice isn't always perfect? Practice can look kind of messy. Well, there's no question. Plan B can be a very messy process no matter how long you've been doing it and no matter how good that you feel plan B can be very messy. Solving problems is messy, not, mm -hmm. not seamless, mm -hmm. not nice and tidy. Um, but it does take practice and we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for improvement over time. We're looking to get the problems that are causing conflict solved. And people who are new at it sometimes have a tendency to go back to old ways sometimes get discouraged because this is this is this is different muscle memory for them and it takes a while to start feeling comfortable with it to start becoming fluent with it it really is a very different way of understanding and approaching kids and the problems they are experiencing in life um it is so worth it as we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. in terms of uh -huh. relationship in terms of communication and in terms of problems solved, it is so much better than being in conflict over the same thing every day, every hour, every week, and having no hope that the problem is ever going to get solved. And of course, since I've worked with so many thousands of kids, I've also worked with many, many desperate, worn out, frustrated parents, educators, staff and facilities. What are they frustrated about? Everything they've tried hasn't worked. But just about everything they've tried has been focused on the kid's behavior rather than on the problems that are causing that behavior. A lot of what they've tried has involved incentives rather than solving problems. A lot of what they've been doing has been pushing the kid away. Mm -hmm. um, we're looking to bring this kid closer so we can partner with him and so we can hear about what's going on in his head. Um, so there's no question. This can take a while. Dr. Green, you are speaking my language. I am so excited that all of this is going out the airwaves through my show. Thank you so much. I'm going to make sure that there are links to all of your books and to your nonprofit through um, in the show notes. So listeners, you're going to be able to check out everything that Dr. Green has made available for parents. So... The last question that I'm going to share with you, Dr. Green, is what does joyful courage mean to you? Well, a lot of people think I was courageous in coming up with a model that was a bit contrary to the way that I was trained. And um, I must admit, I was a little worried about how people who were trained the same way I was would respond to it. I thought that I was um, going to have all kinds of holes poked in the model. But what seems to have happened instead is that even people who were trained the way I was, which was uh, very oriented toward carrots and sticks, 
are coming to appreciate that solving problems with kids is a really good idea and that it should be done collaboratively and proactively. And I would like to think that that has caused a great deal of joy in households and classrooms and facilities where the model is being applied. But joyful courage also means something else. Um, you know, it was maybe courageous of me to come up with something that people might disagree with. But there's also courage that goes along with being a parent mm. and a teacher and a staff member and doing something differently. Because what you're finding is that what you're doing now isn't working. And I'm delighted to say that there are many, many parents and educators and staff members and facilities who have had that courage. And um, they have been remarkably helpful to their children and their students and the kids who have been in their care. And um, that should be giving them a great deal of joy as well. But it takes courage to take a look at what you're doing. If it's not working, think about it and try to do something differently. Um, I guess that's what joyful courage means to me. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. And I'm going to make sure that there's links to all of your resources and your books and your um, nonprofit website. Is there anywhere else that people can follow you? Are you all on social media? We have a very active Facebook group. So the website people want to go to is the livesinthebalance.org website. Okay. Um, number one, there is just a an incredible amount of free resources on the website about this model. But we have a very active Facebook group for parents that I understand now has seven or 8,000 people participating in it, which I guess in Facebook circles isn't that much, but when it comes to behaviorally challenging kids, we'll take it. Um, we also have Facebook group for educators. Um, and boy, there's all kinds of stuff on that website for people. I do a web-based radio program once a month for parents once a month for educators there's a listening library from that radio program with literally about 350 radio programs in it all 45 minutes so the place to go is the lives in the balance website but awesome. i really appreciate you having me on and helping people know about all this stuff yeah i'm so excited i'm so excited to share with everyone so thank you so much and uh, have a beautiful day my pleasure and keep up the good work Dr. Ross Green on the Joyful Courage podcast. So great. Such an honor to be in conversation with him. He is absolutely somebody whose work has made a huge difference in my life. And uh, I know it will make a difference in yours too. So if you loved that podcast, if you were listening and thinking, whoa, oh my gosh, I need to take notes. Don't worry, because I took notes for you. They're, the show notes are for you. But what I want you to do is I want you to find some people to share the show with. Tell your community about the Joyful Courage podcast, about this particular show or any other show where you've listened and thought to yourself, oh my gosh, this is so great. Share it. Share it, share it, share it with the world. Remember, at the beginning of the show, I said, one million children. I can't do it without you. And, you know, you can always bounce on over to iTunes and write a review for me as well, because I know that there's parents always looking for new shows to listen to and 
the um, the feedback that I've gotten on iTunes has been so positive and so powerful, and it would just I'd be really grateful if you went over there and, and wrote a little review for me. That would be fabulous. And if you are not already following Joyful Courage on Instagram or on Facebook, if you're not a part of the Live in Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group, I really, really, really encourage you to find me in those venues because the Facebook group, there's a lot of conversation going on there. I share all the new podcasts and a variety of other things that I see that inspire me and my parenting journey that I want to share with my tribe, Um, Instagram too. So check it out. Come and join us. And for those of you that don't already know, this week is registration week for the Live and Love with Joyful Courage membership program. I am so excited. You know, I've been doing this online work for about five years now. And it's taken a long time (laughs) to figure out the technology, to build the community, and to feel really solid in um, aligning what I want to offer with what parents want and need. And I feel like I have finally hit the jackpot. I did a 10-week course this last fall with parents that was really powerful and really special. I led over 40 people through a 10-week program. And the feedback at the end, um, even with you know week five and week 10, were both simply implement, in, impl, implementation, implementation <laughs> weeks and practice weeks. And even with those buffers, the, in the end, everybody felt like you know this was powerful, this was important, and this was so much information in such a short period of time. So what I've done is I've created a program that will extend the entire course of 2017. It's a monthly membership program, which means that you can pay for it monthly. You can also pay for it every three months, or you can pay for six months at a time or the entire year. You have options there, and every tier, you know, the more you choose, the the more the discount you get on the cost. But the idea is that each month there is a different theme, overarching theme. And then within the theme, I will do monthly webinars. I will have three group coaching calls that anybody can be a part of that's a member. Um, There will be weekly emails and there will be a discussion forum actually on that's private on uh, my website. So this is taking the information and the practice, the inner work of getting ourselves together so that we can actually access the positive discipline tools that I, some of which I talked about on this show, that I've talked about on lots of other shows, the positive discipline tools that teach skills, model teach practice skills, social and emotional skills with our kids. Um, that bring more calm to the chaos, right? Tools and structures and systems to put in place in your home while also coupled with personal work, right? Personal work because, you know, when we get triggered by our kids and I cannot be the only one. I know that I'm not the only one. You read a really powerful blog post. You think, oh my gosh, so well written, so easy. I'm totally doing this. Next time somebody's falling apart over homework, I am so on it. And then they're falling apart over homework and like your whole body gets hot and you get tingly and you get rigid and all of a sudden you're in this like, how could you, you never, I can't believe you go to this crazy town place and you aren't accessing those great tools that you just read about. 
So part of the work of the Living Joyful Courage program is that internal work, right? Growing awareness, growing awareness, um, creating space where you can influence the experience, where you can self-regulate so that you can then be in the right state of mind to help your children self-regulate and to offer up these tools and to use these concepts, these positive discipline concepts. So I am so excited, but here's the deal. Registration is only open the first seven days of January. It closes January 7th and registration, the, the membership won't open again until the last week of March, the last week of March, and then it'll open again for a week and then it'll close for another three months. So that's the way I'm doing it this year. We'll see how it goes. Also, if you're a Live in Love with Joyful Courage member, you get two for one individual coaching sessions with me. That's a big discount. And, um, you know, I love to pour out to my community. So I got, I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring out how I can pour out and make it sustainable for my business. So go to www.joyfulcourage.com slash LJC. www.joyfulcourage.com slash LJC. That's where you go to sign up. That's where you go to decide, look at the options, decide what membership level is going to work for you, your family, your budget, and say yes. You're saying yes to you. You're saying yes to your family. And if you get on there and you read about it and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Guess what? Share, share, share. Get some girlfriends together. Get your husband on board. Like, get your people to do the membership with you, right? One million children, people. One million children. Share it. All right. I am honored, honored to be your host on this podcast, to be the leader of the tribe. I'm honored to hold space for you all, to be your best for yourself, for your children. Honored honored to be saying yes to my own calling and showing up for you each week. And I'm super excited, you guys. I am booked. I am booked through the next couple months with amazing podcast guests. I'm going to be interviewing all sorts of people. Um, and I cannot wait. I can't wait for all the new podcasts that will be coming your way. I will see you again. I will see you again next Tuesday with a new show all about blended families. Really excited about that. I will see you the following Thursday for the a new 2017 Ask Casey. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Big love. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. 
Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 